the business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Play ball! If you're looking to talk baseball, even in the off-season, look no further than the King's Corner Talking Baseball with former World Series champion Jim Lairitz. Jim's known for a rather controversial stance during his show. He's brutally honest and ready to talk with current and former players, owners, and other key figures to bring you baseball from an insider's view. You won't want to miss a single episode. The King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Lairitz is heard every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard-hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. 
Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and we want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Uh, in this second hour, they are Eurostar Gold Corp and Liberty Silver Corp. I want to thank each of you, of course, for listening to the show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel as well. Well, I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time from Costa Rica, Pamela Aden. Pamela, along with her sister, Marianne, writes the Aiden Forecast, which uh, covers the currency markets, the metals markets, as well as stock and bond markets. Uh, precious metals, uh, in particular, the Aiden sisters are very well known for. Uh, those of us uh, who are over 50 might remember uh, them uh, as uh, really very, very um, well-known analysts during the 1970s, during that bull market in gold and precious metals. Uh, the Aiden sisters' uh, work is highly acclaimed also, I should mention, by people that I know and respect. And we've had uh, a couple of them, Rick Rule and Ian McAvity, on this show. Uh, both of those gentlemen think very highly of the Aiden sisters, as does Richard Russell, no less. And uh, we've not been able to get Richard Russell on this show. I don't suppose uh, he, he just doesn't like to talk publicly, but he is one of the great newsletter writers. I think one of the greatest analysts out there is Richard Russell, who's in his late 80s now, just doing amazing work. Uh, but um, anyway, those are some of the admirers of the Aiden sisters, and I have been uh, as well for many years. So welcome, Pamela. Really good to have you on Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Oh, thank you very much, Jay, and thank you for having me. I, I'm happy to be here. Really good to have you. Uh, you'll have to uh, probably go inside and, and leave that paradise called Costa Rica for a few minutes, and then you can go back out and, and listen to the birds uh uh, sing and and I don't know whatever else you do there in Costa Rica. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's a place I've never been to, but I have in my mind uh, this image of uh, of paradise on earth, if there is such a place as being uh, Costa Rica. Um, because I don't want to forget or run out of time, let me. I want to ask you right away if you can just tell our listeners where they can avail themselves to uh, to your service, the the Aiden Forecast. Their website oh, the Aiden Forecast on our website would be the easiest, AidenForecast.com. And, in fact, if they say they, they heard it on your show, we'd be happy to give them a, a, the latest issue. Oh, wonderful. Okay, there you go, folks. Uh, you, can, you can get a sample and, uh, and realize the good work that they do. We we're going to talk a little bit about your latest issue, uh, no doubt. Um, we have, uh, we've had ten years in a row now when gold has risen in price. Uh, do you know of any other markets that have had 10 consecutive years of when the price has risen? Can you think of any other markets, the U.S. Treasury market possibly? Or? Well, you could say not exactly consecutive, but the stock market had the, the, the bull market in the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. But they were, there was like your ups and downs in between. But I would say that was the last grand bull market and now this one. So, yeah, it's going to be 12 years old. It's going on 12 years. And if we end up... Um, in December, above uh, 1570 uh, on gold, we're going to be up for another 12 years now for the gold price. Yeah, it's like incredible. It is a spectacular bull market. Yet, it really isn't that well known in the in the common investor's mind. For sure. Uh, go back to 1980 when we had a blow off in the gold price, uh, and you know you were looking at the possibility of something a multi thousand dollar gold price. Then uh, it didn't happen. But uh, how would you compare the psychology? I remember meeting you and your sister in New York uh, at the Hyatt, I think it was. You, uh, you were giving a talk, and you were tied in with the Blanchard organization back in those days. And you, were, you and your sister were, you know, you were, you were very well known uh, in the industry. And the line was going out the door around the block to get in to listen to the two of you 
talk. I don't see anything close to that. I, I remember also in 1979, 1980, when people were lined up around the block to, uh, to Deke Pereira to buy gold coins uh, along about that time. We are not anywhere near that, are we, psychologically at this point? Oh, not at all. That's what's so amazing about this bull market is that it really is like the little-known bull market, and it's been outperforming the stock market, but I think the simple fact that the stock market itself has been rising from 2002 to 2007 and now on this this latest run-up from October, um, it has really camouflaged and it has overpowered in people's minds since the bull market was 20 years old in 2000, uh, pretty much, uh, give or take. But um, I'd say that those things take time to change the investor mentality and the fact that it was still rising. It's just that gold was rising more, and gold shares were doing very well, too, in, in that environment of, of gold and stock market rising. So um, I, th- I, I tend to think that's the reason, is that um, it just was um, camouflaged by the stock market. Yeah. Well, we're seeing uh, in your September issue, you said, and I quote, gold feels like stocks did in 1988. Um, First, can you refresh our memories? What, what was the market like in 1988, the stock market? Well, I remember it so well. Like yesterday when we had the, the, the crash in, in October of 87 down into December, pretty much by the end of 87, people were really nervous about the stock market. And, uh, nervous, but yet it pounced right back up and continued on until 2000 pretty much and uh, in the bull market run. So that's what I mean by saying it feels like 1988 in the stock market. That's how we feel now because we've had uh, the most decent downward correction in gold since um, 2008 was now this past, since uh, last September, and now it's coming back out into it. And even even though gold has risen from the low of 2008 up to the high of last year, that was 170% rise, and it's only hasn't even given back uh, 20% of that. So, and uh, being uh, go on, coming on to its 12-year in a bull market, uh, we find that extremely strong, mar- an extremely strong market, and that's why we feel that this weakness, especially during this past summer months, has been a great time to buy more or buy new, depending on on your on your um, situation. Like we think a gold is a clear buy and hold and buy on weakness. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we see, we see it as still, it, it has a lot of power in it. We see a lot of buyers, we see a lot of central banks more and more buying it. Um, simply the uh, uncertainty and volatility that we've had in the last few years since 2008 has just in really enhanced the gold market and, and doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. Well, I can I can speak about how I feel as a as a perma bull on gold, and I was a perma bull on gold when, for twenty years when I shouldn't have been. So for me personally, it doesn't it doesn't feel like nineteen eighty eight in the stock market. But I, I guess what you're talking about the masses of people that are not in the gold markets or in the gold share markets at all uh, that has to be kind of their feeling. And also, uh, you say there's a lot of power to this thing to this bull market in gold, but. Uh, if you look at the amount of money that's in the gold in gold bullion compared to say treasuries and and the equities and all that, it's it's minuscule, isn't it? So there there could be if there was a a, a massive desire to get into gold as there was at the peak in in 1980, uh, this gold price could could rise to levels that are hard for even the most bullish people to comprehend, possibly. Yes, and it is. I guess well, we are still 
watching it as we go and staying invested, being having the philosophy of the trend is your friend and staying with it because that's been very good. The gold market is very clear. Uh, like many solid um, uptrends or downtrends in any major market, uh, those trends are very powerful. And as long as you're on the right side of that, um, we we are going to stay with it. And we see an upside potential. Maybe it won't last like from 88 to 2000 in the stock market, but certainly several more years of an uprise in the gold prices uh, looks very feasible. And what's interesting is when you compare it to the dollar. Since 2008, the dynamics between uh, gold and the dollar have changed. Like it used to be lockstep, one rises, the other declines. And that changed in um, 2009, pretty much started noticing it more in 2010. Uh, the, the dollar stopped falling to new lows while gold continued rising, which was a first, really, for their mm-hmm. for their relationship. So we found that very interesting. So uh, when I say the dollar, I'm talking about the dollar index. So it's in a basket of currencies, even though it's mainly the euro. The euro, is, yeah. Um, is a, the denominator. But still, um, if we see the dollar um, fall into the dollar index fall to certain levels, then we think that will even be more powerful for the bull market in gold is, um, is how the dollar performs. And the yen. The yen and the dollar have been the safe havens um, pretty much in the, in, the, in the bond market during the past year. And uh, with with everything looking like depression is is going is here to stay, and so we're certainly watching that. The dollar has been the haven, and um, and it isn't right now um, as of the last several months, but but it certainly has been, and so we're watching that relationship closely as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, we had Alistair McLeod on our show uh, a few minutes ago, and we just started talking a little bit about the Basel Three. Uh, proposals that are out there, and uh, you know, the, at the present time, gold is allowed to be considered only 50% of its market value. And so, what some of the banks have been doing in Europe is selling their gold and buying treasuries. Uh, the Basel III uh, proposal is suggesting that they allow gold uh, to be equal to treasuries and uh, and the, and currency as uh, you know as a reserve asset. Uh, and then the thought comes to me, Pamela, that if we uh, you know, if for some reason, uh, and it, it isn't too hard to sort of uh, conjure this notion up, I think is if if these banks would all of a sudden decide that maybe they would prefer gold to treasuries, I mean, is there any, is there any, I know you're a technician and you look at the charts and you, and you don't want to shoot from the hip, but is there any, I mean, what could be the limit to the gold price? I mean, it's, it's sort of a um, the opposite of, you know what is the limit on the downside to paper money? I guess exactly. Like we see, we view gold as the ultimate currency, and as you said, it's a small market compared to stock and bond, especially the bond market. So um, all it takes is a minor shift of this. So as you're saying, a minor shift doesn't have to be a major shift for the gold market to really take off because it's not as liquid as well. There is liquidity there. It's not as liquid as the other markets. Then the upside is wide open. And, and when it starts coming into feeling the feeling of uncertainty and volatility, and I don't want to say desperation, but that feeling of uncertainty can cause that, then really there's um, who knows what the upside could be. And, yes, it just takes a minor shift. The shift has already started, though, with the central banks. Mm-hmm. It was only a couple of years ago that they start becoming net buyers of gold instead of net sellers, really, for all those years they were. 
So when they finally got rid of all that, now they've been buying and and all the other central banks in the world, the, the emerging countries, they're the ones that are buying. China, all it has to do is buy just a little bit more than its small amount that it has now, and that's a major shift right there. So there's a lot of possibility of shifts in and buy and demand of the gold market. Uh, you certainly see some of those nations that are not on the friendliest of terms with the United States. I think China, uh, Russia, and some of the others, perhaps. Uh, Russia, I saw, just thumbed its nose at some um, at, at some program where the U.S. was was sending money to Russia after the after the country fell apart, after the Soviet Union fell apart, uh, and uh, and so those countries have been encouraging China, the biggest producer of gold. You know, is is going all over the the world trying to get more of it with its uh, investing in mining projects and so forth. Uh, and uh, of course, we don't hear about um, the Europeans, the Canadians, the the U.S. selling its gold anymore, do we? Uh, you think they they might be buyers? Any any notion about that, or are they just simply holding their own right now? You're talking about China. Yeah, or or what about the Western countries, uh, say the U.S. and Europe? Do you think they may be buying at this stage? Or well, they just, may be buying. It certainly doesn't come out in the news, but yeah. there's a lot of things going on behind. Uh, and uh, we saw so much solid support um, for gold this past year. There, there was all the reasons why gold should have declined further this year, um, meaning 2012 and this downward correction, and it just didn't. And, and it's held very well. Like there's someone buying. There's a lot of uh, money underneath that support level, and um, so I think that there's a lot more buying on, going on. Than we probably that that comes out into the news, and I and I agree with China. China has been looking all over the world for natural resources, and and they're being friends. I we see a small example here. Um, China came and put in a beautiful stadium here in Costa Rica to give mm-hmm. you a small example of what they're doing around the world. This 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 gave everyone. They just they had new admiration for China. They just gave it to them. They brought in like I don't twenty five hundred of their employees. Came, flew them over, built the stadium like uh, so fast and beautiful, and and just gave it to them. And in the and in exchange, aside from building um, goodwill and making the, uh, the China and have, showing all their culture and all that, is that they also get a Chinatown <laughs> in town. Like they're, they're doing this all over the world. They're just creating goodwill to uh-huh. other countries and wanting to buy natural resources on the other ones. Mm-hmm. So they're creating goodwill, and they're they're making it. Uh, they're becoming friendly with the politicians, and they're learning how they can perhaps get their tentacles into the natural resources of Costa Rica and other countries like that. Perhaps. Yeah, well, in Costa Rica, I don't know so much more than just being friendly, and it's close to the U.S. I think it just is a strategic good point to be friendly with. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but but because there's the natural resources here, there's been too much. Um, Anti, um, it's it's known for its natural beauty, and they don't want it to change that. Well, and you don't want that's, that either. That's, a, that's different. Nicaragua is different. They have uh, they're filled with natural resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, I mean, I could go on that, but but the yeah. point is, is that they they continue um, uh, looking to conquer the world. I think slowly but surely. Well, they're doing it economically, aren't they? While we are in the United yes. States are using our our bombers. Um, and uh, and clandestine efforts, as we've had some very interesting people on our show, Russ Baker, for one, who's talked about a lot of that. Uh, John Perkins, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, has talked about how the policy post-World War II has been to do what the China's doing essentially now, but, but in some ways getting into third-world countries, convincing them to build an infrastructure project, get them into debt, and then we can get 
suck out their raw materials. But anyway, that's a little off course, a little off topic. I want to ask you, James Turk said uh, the other day on King World News, uh, he talked about a major battle taking place at uh, $1,780 gold thereabouts. What do you see as a significant resistance now for gold, and what do we, uh, what would that resistance level be? And if we get through that, what would be the next upside target? Well, the, the, uh, the key numbers we've been watching now since this um, intermediate rise started um, in August, pretty much, uh, now we see that, um, of course, this, the seventeen hundred level now is um, a good support because it mm-hmm. broke it and stayed well above it. So we're looking at seventeen on the downside as very strong above it, and on the other side, we're looking at eighteen hundred as uh, the next immediate resistance level for gold, mm-hmm. and on to nineteen hundred. Mm-hmm. So those are those are like it's it's easy to remember the even numbers. Yeah. Like um, to be like I can get more exact, but it it ends up being like seventeen thirty is very strong gold. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of what it's been doing, like it just reached a high on Friday on this intermediate rise. So um, and it's been holding up firmly since then, uh, compared to some of the other markets. So I see gold is just very strong in its intermediate rise. And what's interesting is. Uh, when we follow different um, different uh, phases of gold, and this phase, it usually happens during the fall season, right after the low summer season, uh, is an intermediate rise that tends to be, if the bull market is very strong, this intermediate rise will take it into record high territory. And if it does, all it does is just reinforce how strong the bull market truly is. Mm-hmm. So those are what we're watching right now to see if it's going to break 18 and 1900 over the next few months and that it holds above a certain strong level. Like right now, strong is 1670 on an intermediate basis is um, a very solid trend for gold, and it would still be um, in an intermediate rise that started in the late summer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, so you wouldn't have a problem, perhaps, or it wouldn't be unbelievable to see James Turk's uh, t- uh, target of 2000 being reached before the end of this year? It's very possible it could. Yeah. Uh, right. it, it could reach, not to say it would, but I, I say this intermediate rise, um, it maybe it'll t- carry on into the first months of, of the year, next mm-hmm. year, but definitely this intermediate rise um, is looking very powerful and looking like it has uh, more upside potential. You mentioned a, a while, uh, a few moments ago, that there were, uh, you know, gold should have gone lower in its correction. What sort of levels were you looking for, and when, what and what reasons were you looking for something lower, possibly? Well, see, um, it fell when it when it peaked in September a year ago. September fifth, it peaked and it fell. Um, uh, uh, well, it fell to its low in December. So, the last quarter of last year was was the biggest downward correction in gold. But once it reached its low, it's pretty much Gold has been holding, except for an intermediate interday uh, move. It's mm-hmm. pretty much held above that level, which is the 1540 level uh, on gold. So we have seen that it doesn't want to break 1540. So really, the whole the decline happened from September to December, and this year has just been an up and down uh, above that low level um, and below the well above the low level and below the the higher side. So. It's been more of a consolidation rather than a decline. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by it being very strong. Very it strong. all this year to a new right. low. Yeah, very, very strong in spite of the fact that I would say, you know, if I were to walk down the streets of New York, I don't think I would find one 
uh, in a hundred people who are really very, very, very interested in gold. Uh, no, that may not be true, but I, that's, I mean, it's that's not just, a common thing to to know that it's been going up and know that it's, it's a good buy. And same with silver. So, and silver has been, of course, as you know, how it's more volatile gold, but it also um, has better percentage gains when it rises. But, you know, Pamela, most people uh, who don't understand gold, they'll look at it like any other market, and they'll say, yes, but it's too late to get into it. They, they believe it's risen. Most of the gains are past us, and it would be a foolish thing to buy in at such lofty levels. Isn't that the – but that has to be a very bullish sign as well, I would think. Well, you know, I heard that exact same thing in 2008. See, that's when gold had its biggest decline was during the, the financial crisis of 2008. Um, gold fell 30, 30% from high to low during that year, mm-hmm. but um, it ended the year on an up note. Up, granted, it was like 5%, but it was still up compared to all the major losses around um, all the other markets. And so we heard that then in 2009, oh, gold's already risen so many years, it's, um, they're afraid to buy. But then when gold broke that record high uh, of 2008, then it just never looked back. It just kept going. So those are the things we're looking at now. Like yes, it's been a long bull market, but we don't see any signs. That we don't see any signs of maturity. Is the thing we would right. be the first if we see maturity signs that we see that things are looking weak. We would warn. Like we're not tied to gold totally. Like we all, uh, we look at it that it's just still a good thing to be in. Sure, and uh, you're not averse to telling people to sell it if if that's the uh, convention. If that's what you're, the conviction that you have. In your September issue, you said that your favorite intermediate gold indicator is flashing a buy signal. What, what might that be? What would be that indicator? Oh, it already flashed. Yes, it, um, it flashed already this past month. The, um, it was t- telling us that these summer months were good buying time. Um, the, it's an indicator we developed back in the 70s, in fact, and it just really worked well to identify the intermediate moves in gold. So intermediate it's a per- meaning like um, the decline... Um, that from September to to now this summer, uh, that those type of intermediate moves, like an intermediate rise that's from these lows to the next intermediate high, because they could last six months. It could last. And uh, the time factor is isn't as important as as the the, the growth factor is. And um, but normally they don't last more than eight months. Or and that, but I, I have to take that back because the one from the lows, the November lows of 2008. Up into the September, last September's high, that was one major rise. That was the longest intermediate rise we had in the gold market to date, and that was already that was a couple of years. So it can't last that long. It's just unlikely to. Yeah, it's uh, so. I guess what we're talking about is a secret Pamela sister uh, indicator that people can benefit from if they subscribe to your to your wonderful newsletter. Oh well, thank you. But yes, we do follow that on a regular basis. It has proved to be work very well in the gold price. So what I what I'm asking is, you're not going to tell us exactly what that indicator is. It's something that you and your sister have put together. Fair enough. Oh well, <laughs> I just, we can I just thought I'd have a little fun. With you, in the but, <laughs> uh, so what would you look for uh, to tell you that this that this bull market is over? What what I would convince you that? that, that um, that that uh, that us bulls are wrong. Well, I would say that in this intermediate rise. Now, granted, this intermediate rise, um, if it has a little bit of a downward correction down to that, say, like sixteen seventy eleven, that would not mean it's over to us. It would still mean that um, we're still in that intermediate rise. If it doesn't get to a bull market, say um, during this rise, meaning over the next six months, 
Dan, that would be our first warning sign that maybe we are near a peak. Mm-hmm. And um, so that would be one warning sign on a bigger picture basis. We would say that. Mm-hmm. Another thing is is that if it doesn't reach a bull market and it falls below the December lows, that's not a good sign either. That's, a, that, that's on a major trend basis. Of course, there would be smaller, shorter-term things we'd be looking at, but for a major trend basis, those would be um, two telltale warning signs if that happens. Oh, there's so much more to talk to you about. I'm, my engineer is telling me we're almost out of time. So I've got to ask you about gold shares. What are you seeing uh, in the technicals? What are they saying about, say, the, the Huey or some of the other major gold share indices? What, what are you looking at? Are, have we turned the corner? Well, it sure looks like it. The nice rise it's had since end of July. They've had a, they've had a great rise. I think it's almost 30% from, from top to bottom on the index, like the XAU or the HUI. And so this is... This has been well well um, needed, you know, as everyone knows how much they collapsed last year. Like two, they fell while gold didn't. They fell. They just kept going all during 2012. They kept falling and finally reached a low in May and July. But um, but this, they are totally out of whack versus gold right now. So their their upside, to me, it looks like the bottom's in, and it's just a matter of more upside. And then if you're not in some key gold shares, like I would, um, we don't follow the juniors, so that would be more, uh, like that would be something else, but um, for the seniors, uh, we would we would just, there's a couple of seniors and some high juniors that look really, not juniors, but medium term, medium sized gold shares that look very good for just um, buy them and hold them or buy during weakness, like, like now the downward correction this week, um, if it goes down further, it would be a good time to start picking up some more if you aren't in them already. But, yeah, we like the gold shares right now. Very good. Unfortunately, you know, we only talked about gold and just touched a bit on gold shares. I wanted to ask you so much more, Pamela, about the uh, the debt markets, the equity markets, and so forth, but we are out of time. But I hope that you uh, will be available to us sometime in the near future again. Oh, it would be my pleasure, and thank you very much. Well, thank you. And tell our listeners one more time before we say goodbye, where it's Aiden, what is the name of your website? Aiden Forecast altogether. Aidenforecast.com, and if people and if they mention you, they they will give them will give them a, a free sample. A free one. The September issue, which I have in front of me. Thank you very much, Pamela. It's really great to have you. Uh, look forward to talking to you and possibly your sister sometime as well in the okay. future. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Jay. Thanks so much. Well, folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with Amira Nanny of Brazil Resources. You don't want to miss what this uh, up and coming CEO, actually uh, one of Doug. Uh, Casey's favorite uh, rising stars in the natural resource market. Amira Nanny will be with us right after the break. Don't go away. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Eurasian Minerals is a prospect generation exploration and royalty company focused on the discovery of gold and copper. The company currently has over 140 properties on four continents. Our joint venture partners have committed to spend over $15 million on Eurasian Minerals projects in 2012. The company maintains a tight share structure, a low cash burn rate, and holds $43 million in cash, creating value through discovery, growth, and royalties. Eurasian Minerals. 
Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. I'm really pleased to have with me once again Amira Nani, uh, who many of you will know from Uranium Energy. We've had Amir on this show to talk about Uranium Energy, that company. We've had him on this show to talk about uh, the, uh, the uranium industry. But Amir is an entrepreneur, uh, a very astute manager of people and, uh, and uh, capital, and so he is now involved uh, with Brazil Resources. We're going to talk to him today about Brazil Resources, a company that trades on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol BRI, and you can buy it in the United States under the symbol BRIZF. 39.8 million shares outstanding, according to what I've uh, what I've been able to dig up. Only 39.8 million dollars, 16 earlier today. Uh, I haven't checked it in the last couple hours. Market cap of 46 million dollars, so it's a it's a fairly low, uh, quite low cap market uh, cap company. So. Uh, we're, uh, we just want to welcome you, Amir, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. That's great to be here, Jay. Thanks for having me. I know you're uh, ready to get on an airplane, and they may be boarding in 10 minutes or so, so that's about all the time that we do have. Boy, uh, this is a good example, folks, of an efficient CEO, somebody who uses every minute of his time, does a radio show while he's waiting to board an aircraft uh, coming from Vancouver to New York. Uh, you have uh, put together this new company, Brazil Resources. What is... Uh, what is the mandate of the company, and why have you chosen Brazil? Jay, as you probably know, I mean, one of the biggest challenges out there right now facing junior mining are is finding jurisdictions where you can really invest uh, without concerns about uh, expropriation and uh, the rule of law, making sure that that's in place, having a good mining code, and having the right geology, and just, you know, not, not having too much red tape, enough so that you can... Uh, do the work and, uh, and develop projects. And I just feel today Brazil has really the best of all those uh, advantages going for it, truly is being regarded as one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. You've got the right geology. You've got a very uh, stable government in place now uh, with President Dilma Rousseff has carried a lot of the same policies and effective policies of former President Lula. And uh, you've seen the foreign investment levels really pick up in Brazil they're hosting the next World Cup. They're hosting the next Summer Olympics. And so this is definitely um, a shining star out there, not just in South America, Jay, but I would say in the world. This is one of the best jurisdictions to be. But having said all of that, 
there's been so much focus and emphasis on developing iron ore and bulk commodities that I think gold and gold opportunities have really been overlooked in Brazil. And we think that with Brazil Resources, we've got the team and the capital behind us to be able to create uh, what will hopefully become in the next few years uh, the leading mid-tier gold company in Brazil. And a lot of juniors uh, are eyeing the country as well, and I think a lot of people sort of see the same opportunity that, uh, that we've recognized. Yeah. So is your mandate then to become a producer in, in Brazil, ultimately? Well, as you know, the, with UEC, we went from basically concept to production uh, in five years. And I think with BRI, ultimately, in the current gold market that we're in, in this environment, it's very attractive to become a producer. Uh, the possible production and cash flows could be very interesting for um, a company that uh, can, and can develop the right projects. And so we definitely think that we have uh, the, the capability to get the company there. If you look at our technical team, uh, these guys have been involved uh, at senior levels with uh, companies like Kinross uh, or Anglo in Brazil and directly involved with discovering and developing over 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil. And most importantly, Jay, in this market where financial concerns are really on, on top of everyone's mind, the fact that we have a major Brazilian bank in Brazil Invest as a major shareholder uh, and um, their involvement as a strategic partner to us really makes us unique and I think gives us a very different kind of access to capital now and in the future as we look to develop the company. I mean, you've seen junior gold companies for a very long time yourself, Jay, and you don't see uh, a junior gold company typically with a bank as a major equity holder, and I think you would agree that's a, a, a pretty unique feature of Brazil Resources. It absolutely is. What is their equity interest in the company? What, what, how much do they own? Yeah, you know, it's just about 10%, mm-hmm. so it's a, a meaningful interest. Also, the chairman of the bank, Mario Garnero, sits on our board of directors, so they're very involved. This helps us really uh, get that local sponsorship you get when you're uh, in a country and you have a, basically one of the financial institutions in that country involved, and it also helps with governmental relations as well. Yeah, that's, uh, well, you just recently made an acquisition, uh, I think it's called the Kashahada, Kashahada, I don't know how to pronounce it very well, from Luna Gold. Uh, that is a property that has a resource on it. Is, would you consider that to be your flagship property at this point? It definitely becomes the, our first project that has a 43-101 qualified resource. So in that sense, uh, it does uh, become our most advanced project. We actually just completed the acquisition of that today, uh, in, um, in total, uh, I'm really happy with that acquisition, Jay, because we uh, uh, clearly received a, a vote of confidence here from uh, Luna and the fact that they sold the project to us in exchange for shares in Brazil Resources shows their confidence both in their project and in our capability to move it forward. Uh, and um, it's also an opportunity for us to show that, uh, you know, even though we're uh, a younger company, in uh, 12 months uh, since... Uh, uh, really over the last, since we went public, we've moved very quickly, Jay, to go from having only 5,000 acres under control in Brazil in one property to now controlling over 300,000 acres in Brazil, uh, spanning over five different projects, including now our first 43-101 resource. So you can see it's been a very busy uh, sort of 12 or 15 months for us 
uh, in a market that has generally been down and tough for juniors, yeah. we've managed to actually really grow our business and uh, establish, so far, a very attractive portfolio and ounces in the ground. Okay. Well, you mentioned this is a share deal. We, we talked about 39.8 million shares. How does that affect your total shares once this deal is completed? Now, the way the deal is structured is phased over four years, and so over the next four years, uh, we'll have uh, we'll be making uh, payments that will total $12 million uh, to Luna, and so we'll see our capital structure in terms of the 39 million shares outstanding. Uh, in terms of shares we will issue to Luna, we'll get closer to about uh, 44 million shares outstanding, uh, so we'll still keep a very tight capital structure, but at the same time, we'll have some flexibility to make the last two payments to, to Luna based on cash or stock at our discretion. Ultimately, if you value the ounces that we've acquired here based on the $12 million, you can see that we've paid roughly $18 an ounce on the ground, which, again, even in today's market environment, I think is uh, relatively uh, competitive. Oh, indeed it is. I think there's something like, if I'm correct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think something around 660,000 ounces or so, not a, not a bad start. I think, it's, I think it's a very good start, and the fact that we're getting uh, we're issuing shares as well shows, again, uh, that uh, Luna sees uh, quite a bit of potential in this property. Um, so what, do you see expansion potential, exploration potential there on that property as well? Uh, the, the 43101 report that is out on the project, Jay, the, the qualified person in the report uh, does outline that there's potential to increase the size of the resource and so we're definitely looking at mobilizing uh, drilling rigs to go after this uh, potential to try to increase the resource. And, again, as I mentioned, the technical report definitely highlights uh, that uh, upside potential as well. I know that you're going to have to catch a flight here in a few minutes. We only have a couple of three, four minutes left at, at the most. You're, uh, are, we, are we looking at an open pit situation here at the Kashahara? Yeah, this project, uh, most of the resource at this point, we believe, will be open pit. The grades are um, averaging about uh, 1.2 gram per ton. Uh, it's very consistent with other projects in this uh, area where the project is situated, which is in northeastern Brazil, in a gold belt called the Gurupi Gold Belt, which is seeing a lot of action these days. Uh, company Luna Gold that we bought the project from has actually become the has become the newest gold producer in Brazil, uh, and their operations are also in the Gurupi Gold Belt. Uh, Ken Ross is active here with exploration. Uh, Jaguar Mining has uh, some development stage projects here. So within a 70 to 80 kilometer uh, area, uh, you see ourselves, Kinross, and Jaguar really um, uh, right next to each other developing projects. Same rocks, you see the same type of grades ranging one to one and a half gram per ton at surface or basically open pit type targets and uh, good infrastructure and roads that are uh, available here. And most of the belt in northeastern Brazil, where this group of belt is, is believed to have a lot of um, uh, geological similarities, Jay, to the West African Shield uh, and uh, some of the historical, we're talking geologic history here, but the connections between uh, uh, this, these areas, the West African Shield and northeastern Brazil, uh, really lend themselves to some very exciting uh, exploration uh, ideas. Uh, and that's how a lot of the growth so far in northeastern Brazil has been uh, discovered on the back of this uh, thesis. Right. Well, uh, for sure, the two were joined up uh, many hundreds of millions of years ago. But uh, we're looking at uh, getting back to the Kashahada. 
the, uh, what's the infrastructure like there? The, there's a federal highway that uh, literally passes uh, right next to the project. Uh, there's uh, uh, a, a local uh, village, you could say, that is uh, there as well, and we're coordinating uh, future development plans with them. And so it's definitely not a situation where you're talking about a remote area. Uh, you can literally um, drive right up to our property from uh, two major uh, cities in northeastern Brazil. Uh, and that, again, is uh, a lot to say for uh, exploration mining projects because, as you know, a lot of times you can really drive up costs of exploration if you're in remote areas and you have to helicopter everything in. Uh, like I mentioned, there's a, there's a highway that uh, goes... Uh, right past the project, and so you've got uh, very good infrastructure here. Yeah, you certainly do. Uh, you have the infrastructure there, and I'm looking also at your other properties that you just mentioned in the uh, Gurupi Belt, uh, eastern Brazil there. Uh, and one in particular, I know I was looking at some of the numbers this morning, some very, very interesting things going on there. I think this is a really interesting company. What is your website so people can follow your progress? Our website is brazilresources.com. That's www.brazilresources.com. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, we trade on the uh, TSX Venture under the ticker BRI for Brazil Resources, Inc. And in the U.S. on the QX market under the ticker BRIZF. Right, exactly. And, and it's remarkable, uh, Amir, that you can get this acquisition uh, for just a, a few million shares. I think that's, uh, that's a real coup on your part. Um, what uh, what is the what is the reason people should uh, well let, let me ask you this what do you think the biggest risk is for people who buy your shares right now? It's, they're not risk free. Uh, of course, I mean I think uh, any any exploration stage company uh, will have uh, the standard uh, risks uh, that that we share with with any other exploration company. You've got uh, uh, the fact that exploration to begin with is a is a risky business. You have the fact that. Uh, we're not uh, generating positive cash flows, and so we need to make sure we're able to access the capital market to keep funding our business. You've got commodity price risk, and I think all these risks can be managed and mitigated uh, with uh, the right uh, strategies. If you look at our situation here, we've managed to go after acquiring not just exploration properties, but with this uh, acquisition from Luna with this Cachoeira project, it's a great example of demonstrating that if you have financial strength, and we've shown good financial strength in our company, you can actually buy it, proven ounces in the ground, or basically ounces with 43-101 resources, Jay, to some extent for a cheaper or lower price than it is to go explore for them these days. Yeah, because it's certainly so true in, in uh, difficult markets that we found ourselves in. Well, we are out of time. I know you've got to catch a flight. This is a wonderful story. I want to thank you again. You uh, certainly have uh, established yourself with Uranium Energy, and now uh, Brazil Resources, folks, you want to pay some attention to Amir Adnani, uh, Brazil Resources, and, and what he's up to. So we'll have you back again sometime soon, I'm sure, Amir. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, have a safe Thanks flight, and we'll be talking to you uh, soon again, I hope. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Folks, don't go away. I'll be right back with uh, some word about next week's show and some thoughts about uh, the topics of this show. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Voice America Business Network. 
the bottom line in business. Eurasian Minerals is a prospect generation exploration and royalty company focused on the discovery of gold and copper. The company currently has over 140 properties on four continents. Our joint venture partners have committed to spend over $15 million on Eurasian Minerals projects in 2012. The company maintains a tight share structure, a low cash burn rate, and holds $43 million in cash, creating value through discovery, growth, and royalties. Eurasian Minerals. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I have some uh, closing thoughts uh, on today's show. I uh, really enjoyed talking to all of my guests today, for sure. Alistair McLeod, uh, he and I probably have some differences of opinion with respect to the markets. I still believe I'm much more of a deflationist. We didn't have time to go into uh, a discussion of inflation deflation, but Alistair is a very astute economist, a very strong Austrian uh, school economist, and I uh, would agree with him on 99% of what he has to say, I'm quite sure. Uh, very interesting discussion. Got to have him back. Same with Pamela Aiden. Uh, she, uh, from more from a technical point of view, definitely uh, can give you some things to think about in terms of numbers, where you might be looking. And, of course, those are uh, targets that are always, uh, are always subject to change, uh, depending on what happens. But at any given moment, I think the, the Aiden sisters provide really good advice from a technical sp- perspective as to where your, uh, your target should be on the upside as well as the downside for, uh, for anything. But in particular, they pay a lot of attention to the precious metals, and we didn't even get a chance to ask her about silver. Uh, we've, uh, uh, I do want to uh, say that uh, with respect to the show I mentioned earlier that what we want to do is to tr- try to bring in more practical information, how you can benefit, how you can profit from the dislocations that are caused by the things that Alistair and I talked about, the, inter- the interferences in the equity markets for sure. We talk very often with people like Ed Griffin, John Perkins, and Russ Baker more recently about uh, what is going on behind the scenes, the people that are really lording it over the economy, the people that are really in charge seemingly. Of course, we also believe, I believe very definitely, that ultimately markets uh, will prevail. 
but the enormous hardships that are now being created, I think, through this intervention in the markets uh, is really uh, uh, causing people to be fearful, I think. Uh, unemployment is, is stagnating. Uh, we're going to have a very interesting guest next week, and I'm going to ask uh, my engineer right now to play a clip from a film called Behind, Beyond a Pale Horse. Justin, could you play that now? Whether we recognize it or not as Americans, our society is moving towards Marxism. Behold a pale horse ride. They claim to seek a new world order, nations without borders. But don't believe the lie. Something's wrong, and we all know it. I'm Charlie Daniels, and I'm here to tell you about it. America is in peril. What is the goal? It is to create a one-world government. It's as old as time itself. A globalist regime has begun transformation of what is America. As your first president, I warned you that government was not reason. It is not eloquence. It is force. Like fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. Our revolution now becomes your revolution it rolls over people's shoulders and eyes go back. What's for lunch? What's for lunch? You are. The people of the world are waiting for Americans to wake up. Because if we don't wake up, they don't have a chance. We've got to throw a national hissy fit, and we have to do it now. We're dealing, in fact, with a conspiracy here of power, and it's very secret. There's a bunch of socialists that are at war with the freedoms of America and with the property of America, the children of America, they want it all. We have a tradition of individual freedom and liberty. And we have a constitution and a bill of rights that guarantees us the legal basis for this individual freedom and liberty. And we have guns. The problem is the federal government is out of control. For the first time in history, the technology and the political will exist to fulfill prophecy. Your children and grandchildren will cry at your graves if you do nothing. Now it remains as necessary for your time as for ours, for all Americans to draw such a line in the same. There was a mighty nation just above all of creation. It was a rare and precious pearl. No is a powerful concept. Time to ride, boys. We need a thousand polar beers. Okay, well, folks, we'll be back uh, next week, and we will be talking to the producer and the director and very possibly uh, also to Charlie Daniels uh, about this film. It's an excellent film. I've watched it. I think there's a message in it that's very consistent with other things that we've had. That's all the time I have this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Tacey Trump, my senior executive producer, and Justin Jackman, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. Till next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.